A couple of weeks ago, I started off the homily by speaking about the different skills that an organist or a musician might need. That they would need to know all of the fundamentals, all the techniques, maybe some repertoire, and even a certain amount of confidence. And all of those things are important. But I remember during my time in seminary, there was one skill that was above all else very impressive, or at least it was thought-provoking to the other seminarians as they watched me play. It wasn't any of the ones I mentioned, but it was this one. That oftentimes when I was playing, I wasn't looking at the music. Because oftentimes my gaze was elsewhere, that I would be looking at something else on the organ, I'd be looking at the choir or the director, or sometimes I'd even be looking in the mirrors or even looking behind me to see what was going on. But they thought that was just peculiar because they thought my one job was there to play music. Why am I not looking at the music? There was a reason. Because it wasn't just about the music. I had to be paying attention to what was going on around me because I needed to know if there were going to be a need for more verses, if I needed to improvise a little bit to fill a gap, or what was going on, or if I needed to cut off early. I had to be paying attention not just to that moment, but to the entire journey and that entire perspective of the journey. And today we actually celebrate the completion of a particular journey. In some manner of speaking, we celebrate the ascension as Jesus Christ finishing his earthly ministry and ascending back to heaven, to going back to the right hand of God the Father. As we speak of his, his journey in a particular way, but that begs a question. After he leaves, after he goes back to heaven, what does that leave us to do? Where is our journey left to continue? That's really the question that we consider today. As Jesus is completing his earthly journey, how does ours continue? To begin to answer that question, we should start off with the Acts of the Apostles. We've been following the same book for the last several weeks, but this time we're going back to the very beginning of the book, because we're going back to that very hinge point that moves us from the Gospel according to Luke into the Acts of the Apostles, because he wrote both books. But this hinge point is important because it shows us not only the perspective of the ascension, but how it blends and how it begins the ministry of the apostles. But nonetheless, we hear at that point that Jesus is walking with them. He's giving them final sets of instructions. He's telling them to wait in Jerusalem, to wait for that outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And as he's doing that, he's laying all of this before them. Eventually, that moment comes where the disciples begin to realize what he's laying down. And so they start to ask questions that they think are important. One of them being this, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? They're almost desperate. They want this particular thing to be accomplished before Jesus leaves. And Jesus answers quite simply, it's not for you to know the times nor the seasons established by God's authority. So he's telling them that that doesn't matter right now. There's something else that does. And he kind of lays it out for them, telling them, you're to go forward and to do ministry. You're to go forward into the world and to proclaim the gospel. That's what you're to be concerned with right now. And then that critical moment occurs. That moment where Jesus begins to be lifted from the earth and ascend into heaven. And as he's ascending into heaven, a cloud takes him from their sight. And we're told that the disciples are all looking on, and eventually these two men appear, and they ask this question. Men of Galilee, why are you standing there gazing into the sky? This Jesus who has been raised will return to you in the same way. Then, in fact, they're reminding them that there is no need to simply stand here and gaze into heaven forever, but they, in fact, have more to do, that they've been set forward on a mission. But that question, though, Men of Galilee, why do you stand there gazing into the sky? Maybe there's more to that question, and we'll come back to that in just a few moments. 
We move on and we hear from St. Paul in his letter to the Ephesians. And this is largely a celebration of the blessings that we have received. That in fact, whenever Paul is speaking to the church in Ephesus, he wants them to remember all of the different things that the Lord has laid out for them, especially in Jesus Christ. So this is still Easter time. We're celebrating the Paschal Mystery. And so, in fact, we're being reminded by Paul of all of the different things that have occurred. That Jesus Christ was handed over as a gift to all of humanity for their salvation. That, in fact, he suffered, died, and rose again. But then he had a place claimed amongst the Holy Ones. Then, in fact, he was given that place of glory. That he was given that place of inheritance amongst the Holy Ones. And in fact, that's a beautiful thing because we see that he's accomplished what he set out to do, that the victory is very much his. And so that reality of what he's laying out is that that inheritance is there, that Jesus Christ has gained everything by the sacrifice that he has made. But there's more to the story because it's not just his glory. It's not just for his own being and his own manifestation of that glory that we celebrate this moment. But in fact, because Paul is aware of what this means, he's telling him, it's not just Jesus' glory. He shares it with you. It's not just his inheritance in the kingdom of heaven, but he wants to share that with you as well. That the salvation that he won through his passion, his suffering, his death, and his resurrection, it isn't just for him. But in fact, it's for each and every one of us. He had no need of that himself. But in fact, he wants to give it to each and every one of us in a powerful and particular way. So he speaks to that reality that he wants to give us that inheritance. And what is that inheritance? A place in the kingdom of heaven. And then we finally move on to the conclusion of the Gospel of Matthew. And so at this moment, we see that Jesus has summoned the 11 disciples to a particular place on a mountain. And we know that this is after the resurrection because there's only 11 disciples at this point. Because Judas is no longer in the picture. But nonetheless, they arrive at that point, and they find Jesus, and we're told they worshipped, but they doubted. That they were in a moment of conflict still. That they were still shaken up and rattled by the crucifixion, by the disappointment, by all the catastrophe that had been laid out before them. And so they still weren't filled with that gift of faith, at least just yet. But nonetheless, Jesus lays everything out for them. That he's giving them this fundamental teaching. All power in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded, and behold, I will be with you until the end of the age. I will be with you until the end of the age. Let's go back to, for a moment to that initial question. Men of Galilee, why are you standing there gazing into the sky? Why were the disciples standing there gazing to the sky? Why were they looking longingly and looking intently at the skies, waiting for the Lord or waiting for something else? There's likely a variety of reasons that we could come up with. Perhaps they thought that Jesus was immediately going to come back and sort of say, just kidding, and come back and simply be with them for the rest of time. Or maybe they expected that they were going to ascend at that moment as well. Maybe everything going around, on around them in the world was really scaring them. It was really frightening to them. They knew what Jesus was asking them to do and what he had summoned them to do, and their hearts were just filled with grief because they looked around and they thought that everything was impossible. They knew what it was going to cost to preach the gospel, but they were afraid to do so. Maybe they didn't want to imagine life without Jesus at all. But there's a catch. 
Because, in fact, if we look back at the gospel, there's this realization that Jesus Christ, whenever he ascends into heaven, it isn't that he leaves his disciples. It isn't that he goes away from them and takes his presence away from them. But, in fact, he comes in a new way. Because he says, all power in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Everything, all powers, all dominions, everything has been placed under my control. And so he sends them forward. But he wants to remind them at the very, very end of this gospel, Behold, I am with you until the end of the age. Perhaps many times we can identify with the disciples. Perhaps many times our hearts are filled with doubt. Or maybe we're looking for Jesus Christ and we feel like we just can't find him where we are. Maybe we feel like we've been left alone. Maybe we feel like Jesus just doesn't care. Maybe we're afraid that he's just left us to our own devices. He's kind of set things in motion, just let things go. But in fact, is that what this, mission, this mystery is all about? Is the ascension about Jesus Christ just simply leaving earth and going up to heaven and dismissing us altogether? My brothers and sisters, it is not that at all. Because in fact, Jesus Christ, whenever he leaves and he ascends into heaven, he wants to remind us of something. That he wants to remind us of his presence, number one. The fact that he has been here and that he's been in our midst for all this time. But he also wants to remind us of the fact that he comes to us in even more powerful ways. That Jesus wants to be here physically, yes, and he does that. But he does so in so many more ways. That he, in fact, is not leaving us alone. Because of the fact that he has ascended into heaven does not mean that he's not present with us right here and right now. Especially in the moments when we don't feel his presence. But in fact, he's here in Scripture. He's here in the sacraments. He's here in his Spirit. And so the ascension causes us to remind ourselves of the fact that he promises us in very clear words, I'm with you always until the end of the age. He's not leaving us alone. Especially in those moments when we feel like we don't know where to turn or we don't know what to do. Jesus Christ is always here. He's in our midst. He wants to give us himself, especially in those moments when we hurt the most or we long or we thirst for his presence with the greatest intensity. But then we continue on. Because that, other, that same question, it might cue up the reality that the disciples were gazing towards heaven. And this is something that is very figurative, but it's something that's altogether powerful. Because it reminds us of the fact that the disciples were aware of their final destination, their final goal, where their journey was going to terminate and end. And that is the kingdom of heaven. And that's a reality for each and every one of us because we should be aware of where our journey is going, where it's headed, and where it's going to end. Because when St. Paul's speaking to the Ephesians, he's not speaking of glory and the inheritance that Jesus received just to say, look at what he did. But he's saying, look at what he did and what he gives to us. What he wants us to take part in, what he wants us to partake in and share in, that kingdom of heaven. That he's gained all of these things not just to keep to himself selfishly, but to give to each and every one of us selflessly. Then, in fact, we have a God that's willing to share with each and every one of us that fact that he's blown open the gates of heaven. That's something for us to receive. And in fact, the way that the disciples are looking up, it reminds us that Jesus is preceding us in going to heaven because he wants us to go there. Where the head has gone, we should follow as the body. And so he reminds us of that reality of the kingdom of heaven. But it causes us to think, 
What am I to do right here and right now? What is going to lead me closer to that kingdom of heaven? Where is there work still to be done so that I may continue to pursue the kingdom of God? That I don't lose sight, that I don't start looking around at other things, but I'm figuratively looking at the reality of the kingdom of heaven, that my eyes are always gazing upon that prize of eternal salvation. And then finally, we arrive at that commission. That fact that the gospel is there and it reminds the disciples that Jesus is in their midst, but ultimately he sends them forward. He reminds them, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptize them, remind them of everything I've taught, and I will be with you always. Then in fact, the disciples aren't there to just simply receive the kingdom of heaven to themselves, but they're being commissioned and sent forward to remind all of their brothers and sisters of the reality of the kingdom of heaven that they're to go forward and to preach and to teach and to go forward and witness to the truth of the gospel and the reality of heaven in a powerful way that no one else can. And that, in fact, is a reminder for all of us. Because so often in life, we can kind of just live by our own set of standards. We can kind of live just looking for what's in it for me and maybe not so much anyone else. Or maybe we kind of forget that divine commission that has been given to each and every one of us that each and every one of us are being sent out. That Jesus, as he ascends into heaven, he doesn't just simply say the work on earth is done, that salvation has been achieved and everything's been accomplished, but there's so much more to be done. And that's why he says he'll be with us, because this is such hard work, but it's such important work, that we continue to go forward and we speak words of hope to the hopeless, that we go to the despairing and we give them light, that we go forward to the people that are lost in darkness, and we draw them forward into the reality of the body of Christ. But in fact, that's a work that's given to all of us, that just because Jesus has risen into the reality and into that place of the kingdom of God, it doesn't mean that everything's accomplished and everything's done. But in fact, it reminds us there's more to be done. But we do it all because Jesus Christ has not left us alone at all. But in fact, he's here with us still, even to this day. And so my brothers and sisters, that reality of the ascension, it's a beautiful moment where Jesus ascends into heaven. He reminds us of that ultimate goal, but he also wants to ask us those questions. Where is our gaze at? Are we looking towards the kingdom of heaven or are we looking around? And if we're looking towards heaven, are we drawing others to look towards heaven as well? Because that gaze isn't meant just for us. And even in the moments when it might be difficult or we might struggle with that gaze, nonetheless, we should continue to strive and to seek after Jesus who promises to be with us always and then continue to lead our brothers and sisters into that reality as well. Men of Galilee, why are you standing there gazing into the sky? Why are we gazing into the sky? Perhaps it's because of the reality of the kingdom of heaven and what our Lord wants us to achieve and accomplish. My brothers and sisters, the reality of the kingdom of heaven is here. Christ has gone before us and has opened the gates to paradise. May we be so bold as to approach, to gaze on that, even in the midst of everything that life throws at us. Let us continue to focus our gaze on the reality of heaven and also bring others with us into that reality as well.